One out, nobody on. The payoff to Murphy. Left-hand batter, strike three call. To the knees and right down the middle of the plate. But down, Murphy. Some games go on for a long time. This one's still going on in my mind. And welcome to episode 14 of the Autobot Podcast. My name is Justin Viver, joined as always by Chad Young and Niv Shaw. And we have uh, real, actual, live baseball results to discuss. Yay! Um, which is exciting. Um, so, where do we want to start? Do you want to start at talking at a high level? Um, I mean, the elephant in the room, obviously, is is the COVID issues right now, that the, the Marlins and now the Phillies have have paused their season so obviously that's having an effect on uh how how we as auto new players manage our lineups and things but yeah i mean i think starting from that the 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 very first thing i'm i'm reacting to this season is uh we had talked we talked about it in the the starting pitcher episode when when eno was on about oh you know go a little slow wait and see how things settle out you'll see what happens with velocity that strategy is out the window for me i'm starting guys I'm starting almost everybody, almost every day. I am filling out my offense every day. I am being very aggressive with my starting pitching because I have no idea at which point some pitcher is going to be on a team that's going to miss 10 games. And I think there's like a real chance right now that the Marlins just play 50 games this year instead of 60. Now, the Marlins are terrible, and so it doesn't really bother me that much because I'm not missing anything. Right. like... I've got, I have uh, Jay Bruce, Didi Gregorius, Zach Wheeler, Scott Kingery, and a bunch of teams, and the Phillies are missing a bunch of games, and I don't think they're ever going to make them up. And so I'm, right. I'm done with this, like, let's wait and see what happens. I'm going to take it a little slow. Like, I'm going to get to my 60 games and my innings cap as quickly as I can, because I'm not going to find myself the last week of the season wishing that there were wish up games. Right. Yeah. Right. I, I, I feel exactly the same way. I've been starting basically every pitcher that I have. Um, now, some of that is also because I've found myself short on pitching to start the year, but I've also been putting everybody in the lineup to, to fill as many lineup slots every day um, for, for a lot of those reasons, because you don't know, you don't know when two or three guys are going to be unavailable for whatever reason right now. Um, I guess like my hope is uh, that the, the Marlins, uh, the way you know it's being reported now, seems particularly egregious uh, violation of protocol. Um, you know, I don't want to go into too many details about that, but I'm hoping it's a wake-up call for Major League Baseball players, uh, the guys who are invested in having these games played, who really want to have these games played. Um, it's, I think, a good sign that um, other teams have seemingly been safe. And I think one team um, not being safe is a good example for everyone else to what not to do, Right. And I think it's uh, pretty clear about that. So I'm a little hopeful that we're not necessarily going to see um, another outbreak. But obviously, it's a virus, and an outbreak can happen at any time. So uh, I'm I'm hopeful because I think uh, there are safety safety precautions that teams can take. But I mean, you got to fill out your lineup now. Like I don't think that I think that was probably true before. 
uh, this. And now uh, knowing that a team, like a team could be just put out of action and not have a chance to make it up, like just fill, fill out as many games as you can. Yeah, I think, I think I'm more, I, I, I agree with what you're saying. Like this Phillies case or this Phillies case, this Marlins case does seem egregious enough that it actually gives me more confidence that they can finish the season because it isn't just like, oh, somebody got sick and everybody got sick. It wasn't all right. Apart, right. It was, right. They, they, they messed up is, is what it sounds like. Um, but it has also given me confidence that the average number of games played per team is going to be well below 60. Well below 60, yeah, sure. And so I just can't rely on that. And, and part of that, you know, so part of what that means is you don't know when your guys are going to miss games. But also if every team ends up playing 55 games instead of 60 games on average, let's say, um, then you actually need to go way above and beyond to fill out your 60 games. Every day season, off. Right? No, there are no days there, off. There are no days off right. for fantasy players this year. And so, um, yeah, I, I think, you know, sort of my, my last point is, I mean, Niv, before the season started, I got an email from from Jeff, the other the other person involved in the founding and creation of Auto New, saying that he thinks that in our league, League One, the season's going to be decided because somebody misses the innings limit. He yeah. thinks there's going to be a team that's in position to, to finish in the money that misses the innings cut off. Gets doesn't all their hit a minimum zero, number doesn't, of innings. Right, doesn't hit the minimum number of innings just because they were pacing themselves and it didn't work. Pacing and yourself like, in a normal, like a, as if it's a normal yep. season. Yeah. He said it before the season started and I was like, yeah, okay, maybe that's true. And now I'm, Jeff, now I'm if throwing, you're listening, you were very yeah, right. <laughs> throwing every single starting pitcher possible yeah. out there as a result. Totally. And and feeling really bad if I miss a Lazardo uh, follower, you know, like we were talking about that yesterday in the Slack. Like these bulk guys, like it's, it, I think if a if a reliever pitches, um, I'm probably trying to move him to the bench unless it's a quick inning. Um, because I want to make room for a different reliever that didn't pitch the last two days or whatever. So I'm just tracking the pitch count thing. I think that's been... I didn't really see a huge... I, I liked it as a sort of neat thing the first couple of years, but this year it's like essential for me, like bullpen management. The the, the extreme early lesson on this, by the way, in my, my one head-to-head league, uh, I sat down before the week. I get nine starts. This is a long week, right? It's a, it's a Thursday yeah. to Sunday. So I was like, all right, my top four pitchers are all going, or my top five pitchers are all going twice. I'm going to pick which one of them I want to use, which one of them I'm going to bench the second time. Verlander got hurt. Wheeler's not pitching. Lizardo isn't a starter. And all of a sudden, I was like, I'm, I'm going to fall up short. And I just picked up Tyler Chatwood today. I just won an auction for him today because I was like, I need somebody. I went from having like nine starters and I was going to ignore four of them to being desperate to pull someone off the waivers to fill out a week. And so, yeah, everybody goes. Yeah. So this, so overreactions, this is, I guess what we're basically saying is all our overreactions should be followed to a T because we need to all overreact now. Right? Like that's what it is. So before we start talking about some specific names, I real quick, I think we're seeing right now that, that the pitching is ahead of the hitting, at least as far as the results on the field. Yeah. And, I mean, to me, there's a few different reasons that that could be. Number one, hitters just aren't in sync yet, and pitchers are ahead as far as preparation for the season. And I think, Niv, that was a big point you made in one of our earlier podcasts. I want to take a And I pushed back one. on it, but I think you were right. In hindsight, I think you were right, and I was wrong about that. The second possible reason is that because starters aren't going as deep, they're not getting as much of that three times through the order penalty. So maybe pitching performances are slightly better because of that. Yeah. And then the other thing is 
home runs per fly ball have been down right now compared to last April and last July, depending on whether you want to look at the first month of each season or you want to look at the calendar month over year over year. Um, as of the time we're recording this, it's 13.9% home runs per fly ball so far in 2020. Last April, that number was 14.4. But last July, that number was 15.6. Right. So if we think that that difference is driven mostly by... I mean, do we think it has more to do with the, the actual month or the, the number month of the season based on preparation? Right. But either way, it's lower no matter which month you compare it to. So um, another interesting thing to note. Right. Yeah. And comparing that both with what Eno mentioned on the Starting Pitcher Pod episode about uh, about the strike-shortened season, the home runs per fly ball rate was depressed. That was like the one note, notable thing he got from that shortened season. Combine that with maybe pitchers are ahead right now, which... Uh, the outcomes are showing combine it with 30 man rosters. So you're getting less third time through the rotation or through the lineup and more uh, bullpen usage, right? Like all these things are really uh, putting together like a positive for pitching right now. I don't know if that's going to correct as the rosters get a little shorter and uh, these hitters get a little bit more ramped up. You know, it's like if you have three different things and all of them sort of tweak one direction and they all correct a little bit we might really see a different kind of august than we've seen so far you know craig edwards on fangraphs had a post yesterday called pitchers are way ahead of hitters so far and if you look at that it's not just home runs it's like um infield fly ball rate is up quite a bit over the over last year strikeout rate is up quite a bit bapip is way down uh woba is way down um swinging strike rate is up um, like everything, contact percentages are down. Swing percentages are also down. Um, it just, I, I, I'm not ready to say that that home runs are, that that home run per fly ball rate is, is indicative of anything at this point other than pitchers are ahead of hitters. It may be that it, that home runs are just going to be down this year. Um, but I think, and I think Justin, the thing you pointed about the third time through the order, I think makes a big difference here. Um, but I, I think the biggest thing right now is I think pitchers are just ahead of hitters, and and it shows sort of across the board. If if strikeout rates and stuff like that, BAPIP, all that stuff were exactly where it always been, but the ball wasn't flying out of the park as much, then I'd start to to, to adjust my expectations. But I'm not there yet. So maybe that's a good argument uh, that ties into our start every single pitcher you can thing. You should have a lot of confidence in that right now, be, like right while now. you can, because they're ahead right now. Yeah. Um, yeah, and, and who knows how long that'll last, but, right. um, you know, I, I, I have a suspicion it's going to last at least a few more weeks. I think it's going to take some time for some of these hitters to, to get the feel for, for what they're doing at the plate. Um, so speaking of pitchers dominating right now, let's shift gears a little bit. So who, which hitters haven't been dominated, which, which hitters are actually overcoming that early advantage that pitchers have, um, I, I to me, the the one that, that jumped out to me watching the early games, and he hasn't played because they're they've had some of their their games postponed. But but Giancarlo Stanton for the Yankees, um, he looks healthy. I mean, he's playing, so he's healthy he enough looks, to play. Obviously, he and, looks in good shape. Yeah, not that it's a surprise that he's he's mashing the ball, but he's really mashing the ball. He's number one in baseball in par- in uh, barrels per plate appearance right now in that percentage, and he has the highest average exit velocity of any player in baseball right now. I mean, now that well. ball that. What was it? Well, that was opening night, right? Where he hit that ball like 130 yeah. miles an hour or yep. whatever. Like that was crazy. Yep. And you know he looks, he looks fit. He doesn't look like he's, he looks like he's uh, a, 
brought a different approach to the season. And what's and what what's interesting was I, I can't remember if we talked much about him when we had like the outfield preview episode. Like right, it's just he's a guy that you you know. There's always the tentativeness to bid up because of the injury history, and because there's already like I mean we're talking about Giancarlo Stanton, right? We're not talking about like some sort of like sleeper. Yeah, we're not breaking guy. news here that he's right. <laughs> And, I've never and, heard of this guy. <laughs> <laughs> but, but this is like one of those classic things. Like a lot of people don't want to pay sticker for him. Like when we're talking about in, or you do pay sticker for him, but you know what you're getting. And maybe we didn't know what we're getting. Maybe we're getting better. Like that. That's yeah. pretty great. He is. I mean, he, he's now, he's actually in barrels per plate appearance. He's now fifth in baseball. And I actually think the name directly above him is one of the ones that really jumps out. So if you go to the top of the list, Eloy Jimenez is first. I, maybe that's a little bit of a surprise, but everyone knew he had that in him. Uh, Mitch Moreland is second, which, again, a little bit of a surprise, but he's shown pop before. Uh, Shohei Otani is third. Jacoby Jones is the other name ahead of Giancarlo Stanton on that list. I guess we have to talk about I guess we have to talk about Jacoby Jones. Um, <laughs> he has had an amazing start to the season, right? And, uh, yeah, huge pop. Like when he's batting the bottom of a bad lineup and he's showing huge pop, right? Like, what do we do with that? I think, I mean, the weird thing with him is his exit velocity is actually down a little bit from last year and it wasn't great last year. So like from an exit velocity perspective, uh, he was in, he's in the uh, 33rd percentile for MLB right now. Um, and that's down. It's 90 as his average exit velocity this year. It was 91.6 last year. Um, but he's he's barreling the ball. He's he's put getting really great contact on a regular basis. I mean, he had 22 barrels over over the entire season last year. He has four already this year, in like five games or whatever it is. Um, so there's something going on there, but I'm not really sure how you balance. Like, what do you do when a guy's barreling the ball but not actually? hitting it very hard on average <laughs> well i mean some of the the hitting it hard is just a matter of his his skills and tools right like i mean he's just not a huge power guy but if he's barreling it he's squaring it up that's fine that's line drives that's that's a higher bat, batting average on balls and play um more doubles and things like that um and you know he's going to play a lot in detroit i mean he's not he doesn't have a lot of competition for playing time he's not going to get squeezed like he might in some other places so I mean, I know I think it's more likely that this is a fluke than it is a signal, but um, it's definitely you. You can't ignore the barrel rate, and and even though the the average exit velocity is not great, his max is still just about 110 miles per hour. So yeah, he he can you know generate some some pretty pretty good exit velocity. So, so and looking looking continuing down that list of barrels per plate appearance uh, behind Stanton, you've got uh, um, I think sort of three more guys who are interesting to look at from my perspective. Uh, Corey Seager, who I think is sort of entering a little bit of a post-hype phase at this point. Um, he's he's not as valued as he was before, but he's having an incredible year in terms of the, the, the power he's putting on the bat. First of all, his batted ball events, which is the sort of the the numerator for a lot of, or the denominator for a lot of the stat cast data, he has 23 of those. Um there are very few other players over 20. Um, only two other players in the top 60 of barrels per plate appearance who have put the bat on the ball as much as Seager has. Um, his exit velocity, his average exit velocity is 96.4, um, which is quite good. 
Uh, I, I'm super excited about what I'm seeing from him. What, what's interesting, real quick, I want to jump in, is of those 23 um, batted ball events, 15 of them have been hit 95 miles per hour or, or higher, which is tops in baseball as well. Um, so he's I'm, the exit the the gr- average exit velocity is not outstanding, but he's just hitting everything at 95 miles an hour um, in in a small band. So which again is line drives, right? Like it's it's maybe not a lot of home run pop right now, but certainly a lot of hard. Extremely balls. useful, yeah. Yeah. So next guy on that list is Tyler O'Neill. Another sort of was high, hyped not long ago, um, but is really he's getting an opportunity in St. Louis now because they have no other good outfielders other than Dylan Carlson, who they refuse to use. Um, and he's making the most of it. It looks like. Yeah. Yeah. Tyler O'Neill has had a, I mean, it's a good start to the season for him. Right. So, and he's another guy who kind of in the Stanton mold, like he's always had massive raw power. Um, so he has that within him. And, and then if he is making more contact and, or, or getting, I mean, he's, he's only got, yeah, it's only 17 plate appearances, but he's got under 6% strikeout rate right now. So that's also encouraging for a guy who's had a lot of contact problems. Um, yeah, man, and, is, as you talk about guys, like, like I said, these are overreactions, right? There is no, yeah, I mean, there's no meaningful data. We're, we're trying to look at what we can and, and make guesses because we're, we're 10% of the way through the season. And so if you don't make guesses now, it's going to be too late. Um He's a guy I'm I'm super interested in. If I can acquire him, if he's a free agent places, if if he's available for trade, um, his overall line in the year, he has a 375 WOBA so far. Again, only 17 plate appearances with a 083 BAPIP. <laughs> and as we just said, he's barreling the ball and hitting it hard. So I'm I'm reasonably confident that that BAPIP is going to come up over the year. Uh, he'll at least get it up to 100. <laughs> so um, I'm I'm super intrigued by what I'm seeing from him, and I I think there may be an opportunity right now to uh, to buy low before people catch on because there's going to be a number of people who are like, eh, he's got some home runs, but like 295, I think it's a 295 uh, on base percentage, 294 on base percentage. Yeah, this isn't real, but that 294 on base percentage is what's is the unreal part, right? The rest of it is is legit. He's earned. He's earned his home run rate. He's earned it. He seemingly earned his walk and strikeout rates. Like I'm, I'm buying, I'm in. Um, one of the guys on my team that I've been pretty happy with uh, in, in league one is Will Myers. Uh, I've had to like a guy I wouldn't normally have in the lineup sort of have as a depth piece. Obviously he's had a, a great hot start to the season. Um, when you're looking at his sort of stack casty stuff, uh, he's walking a little bit more than usual. Uh, he's barreling the ball at the highest rate he's ever barreled, barreled the ball, which is like, again, not a ton of events, but we're trying to overreact here. We're trying to find some options uh, accordingly. Uh, so, you know, he, he's hit a couple homers. He's uh, putting good wood on the ball and uh, OPSing over 1,000. Uh, given that Bryce Harper, uh, my large investment going into the season, uh, has not played games, uh, due to the Philly situation, uh, Will Myers has been like, like nice found money for me. I just had him as a depth piece, and you know, I, Will Myers is one of those guys where you just like it's post post hype, and like I feel like auto new players really want to like. He's the kind of guy that you you saw that one flash once, and you'll never forget that that one year Will Myers was super good, 
or more uh, better than anyone expected, at least. And you're always trying to find that again for like four or five bucks. But this year you might have it, um, you know, based on the very early sample. So I'm pretty excited about him. Um, he's been like a pretty nice. Should we, nice... Should we talk about his uh, his teammate? Which one? <laughs> uh, the, the one who stands out to me is Eric Hosmer. Yeah. Uh, here's a guy who we've literally for years, all any sort of analytically minded fan has, has seen of Hosmer has been one of two things. Either he's not actually good, stop pretending he's good, or he could be good if he just put the ball in the air. Uh, and this year, through all of nine batted balls, so, you know, <laughs> uh, he has a exit velocity of 93, which is higher than he's had any other season. His other previous high was not, was 92 in 2016. He's only been above 90 one other time. He has a 31.2 degree launch angle, which is almost too high, maybe. Yeah. But compared to the rest of his career where he was at 6, 4, 3.8, negative 1.4, and 2.1, dating back to 2015, uh, it's, it's potentially very real evidence of an actual change and this guy has resisted changes he said he doesn't need to change um maybe this is just a fluke maybe he just happened to hit two balls at you know a 90 degree launch angle and it's skewing everything um but i'm super intrigued by hosmer he's always had the talent he's never sort of used it in a semi-effective way if he's making those changes if somebody finally got through to him uh i don't know maybe he's maybe he's ready for a big season yeah, I mean, two-thirds of those batted balls, which, again, is only nine, but two-thirds of those have been hard hit, according to StatCast. His his weighted on base right now is a... Um, his expe- I'm sorry, his expected weighted on base is 503, which, you know, is Bonzian, right? Yeah, like, yeah. Nuts. It, it's not going to continue, but at least it's justified by how hard he's hitting the ball and the angle he's hitting the ball at. Um it's encouraging. I mean, I do own him in a couple sp- or roster him in a couple spots, and um, you know, it's I'm benefiting from it so far, and especially as as some of the other uh, guys on my roster are shuffling in and out um, of being available or not. So, um, the one thing, another one item. This is this is really a little self serving as a Cubs fan, but it's something I wanted to bring up when we talked about the the catcher episode. I had brought up Victor Caratini. And I just wanted to note that they've played six games through through last night. And in those six games, Caratini's played five out of the six, three of them at DH. So we've talked about how catcher might be a hard position to, to meet game caps because they might rotate more a little more often and spell guys. But the nice thing is in the NL with the addition of the DH, these good hitting catchers, um, have an opportunity to slide in at DH when they're not catching. They're, they have a game off from being behind the plate, but they're still in the lineup because they're getting DH time. So, um, I also think it's worth noting that like uh, the catcher thing has been founded. I think like the catchers are rotating a lot, and that yeah. you know we should be sort of cognizant of that. It's not the standard rotation that we're used to. Like it took Sal Perez probably two extra days than it would have in a regular season to get his catcher eligibility back. Um, so, so that was a great call out. Is all is all I'm saying. So, a, a guy like a guy like Caratini, a guys who are going to get the ability to play uh, a bat in the lineup 
without having to be behind the dish. You know, and there was breaking news today when we record that Dalton Varsho is getting called up by the Diamondbacks, and I wouldn't be surprised if we see a somewhat similar situation there where he and uh, Carson Kelly rotate a little more often. I mean, normally with, with Kelly and Volt being there in Arizona, I might not think Varsho would get any time, but with the DH, and I think he's got a little bit of flexibility, uh, Varsho does, to play in the outfield as well. Um, he may stick in that lineup a little more often than he otherwise would. Um, Definitely worth tracking that. Yeah. yeah. So another another guy whose Statcast numbers look really good, but who I'm actually somewhat concerned about, uh, Luis Robert with the uh, Sox is 88th percentile exit velocity. His hard hit is way up. His X stats look really good. He also has a 29.3 swinging strike rate, which is uh, horrid. Bad. Really <laughs> horrid. Look, right. man. Leading to a 37.5% strikeout rate. Luis Robert had to play the Indians. And a lot, like, uh, and, 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 you can. I know. I can. Uh, we can say a lot of, and I, I think we have a couple other guys on our list who are caveating with they had to face the Indians pitching staff, but Luis Robert had to f- face the Indians pitching staff. So I'm not super worried yet. Yes, but it, his contact issues are pretty well known. Like that's right. that's the, was the big concern with him coming into this year, being a rookie. He's he's at a 66 percent. Z contact. So in pitches in the zone, he's only making contact two thirds of the time, which is also atrocious. Um, it's a concern. Now, is it correctable? Absolutely. We're only talking about a few games here, right? But the nice thing is that that exit velocity. He's third in baseball right now in maximum exit velocity at 115.8, behind only Stanton, who we just talked about, and Pete Alonso, who hit 50 home I'm, runs last year. So. I'm already penciling him in as a guy I'm going to acquire in November. <laughs> Because yeah. I think I think there's a real good chance that he spends six weeks trying to get things figured out, ends the season with horrific-looking numbers on the surface, but has great stake stackcast numbers, and that we start to see that K percent, that K rate, the con- creep down, the the swing strike creep down, the contact creep up in the last couple weeks of September, um, and it's too late to make a difference on his numbers this year. Right, but I am I'm already salivating at the idea of a post-hype Lou Bob, huh? <laughs> yeah. People just like his owners being a little, frustrated. Cause it they, might be a little early for post-type. I'm not sure. I want actually, this is a interesting question. If anybody is going to be post-type after a 60 game season or, you know, some equivalent thereof, like I, I'm not sure it's enough of a sample for me to be post-type on anybody. I think the hype will remain. Yeah, I mean, it probably shouldn't, but I think we all know that that's not right. going to stop people from saying, well, this is what he did in this season, even if that season was 50 games worth, you know. Um, but the the other side of that coin is that we were probably going to see some more debuts than we, we otherwise would because some of these teams just, they, they got to go get guys to, to reinforce their yeah. 30-man ro- roster right now. So Fine players. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that I think people will overreact. I also think that um, part of the challenge with with Robert versus a lot of other prospects is people expected to pencil him into their lineup from day one, and they're doing that right. People who thought this guy's going to be a star are like he's going to be my outfield two or outfield three all year, and they've got him penciled in, and they're using him every day, and he's not performing. Um, and I think that that wears on people in a way that like, uh, you know, 
a, a Julio Rodriguez or even like let's say a, a Jared Kalanick with the with the Mariners like he might get some time at some point this year but nobody's counting on him it feels different he's a prospect not a major leaguer and I think those guys there's gonna be a lot of forgiveness um but I think Robert 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 how do you pronounce Robert it? it's unexpected Robert. French yep unexpected French Luis Robert I thought it was like um, Robert no I Am I wrong I must be wrong. Uh, we might have to go talk to some of our White Sox uh, auto new people about this one. I'm pretty sure it's unexpected French Robert, but um, I might be out on a limb here. Uh, well, if you want to talk regardless. about post hype that I'm actually willing to be post hype about, uh, if you want to talk about Shohei Otani, I am starting to be post hype about him after entirely too, too little from uh, sample size or whatever. Uh, the home run last or was that last night? The home run was awesome and golfed and a ridiculous swing, but uh, the pitching is obviously like the the one outing could have ended seasons uh, for yeah. certain fantasy teams. Like uh, seeing that infinite in your yeah, <laughs> there's always somebody who has to do it. Who has to? <laughs> Can I just say like I I. I, I simultaneously like that you added that little icon in there and also don't like it. I saw it with a – I had an Andrew Chafin that, that pitched last night on one of my teams, and I'm seeing yeah. that infinity. Uh, that's never a good sign, yeah, seeing the, that on the, your, your stats from the day before. I, I will say, uh, you know, we've we've been running Auto New for 10 years now. This is the 10th uh, season, I believe, and this is the first time that a player uh, – nudged me towards adding the infinity sign to the pitching stats and it's Shohei Otani. Um, but, but, you know, I mean, uh, Chad, you, you roster Otani in league one, and I know you're really excited about him. Are you at all nervous from just the pitching point of view? Cause I think like, you know, we, this is all tying in my head because we had somebody come into the slack and say, he's literally the worst player you can have, <laughs> which yeah. is not true. I'm not going to, I'm not going to go so far, but, but there is, you know, a little feeling of like, like you're paying a premium because he's fun because he is a two-way player. He if he's premium in both in both both skills that he can do, uh, he's absolutely worth his average salary. Uh, but if he's not, if he's a zero on one of them, then then you're underwater, right? Yeah, I mean, I think, so here's here's my thing with him. First of all, I'm so like in the league I have him. I, I'm I'm it's forty two dollars is his salary. Um, that's a little on the high end. I think most leagues is a little bit cheaper than that, but around there. If he is nothing but a util for me this year, I'm going to get $25, maybe $30 of value out of him. I'm not losing that much, and I'm fine with it. I'll live with that. Uh, that said, um, looking at his stat cast numbers on the pitching side, um, the velocity, everyone's talking about the velocity and the four-seamer. And the velocity and the four-seamer was down almost four miles per hour, which is a lot. Uh, but the velocity and his slider, split finger, and curve were all up. Um, and he made some comments after the game about just sort of not being able to to you know let it eat, not being able to let it go. And um, I, I'm I am I am tempted to believe that he's going to be fine. Um, that you know he's coming back from an injury. He hasn't really pitched in live competition in a while. He has weird spring training situation. He's still getting sort of figured out. Um, we saw this in 2018 when he first came over. His spring training was awful. 
Um, you remember there's all this talk about like maybe they should just let him hit. Maybe he shouldn't be pitching. He can't be a pitcher. And he, Major League and he baseball. put it together, right? Yeah. And I my my sense is that he and Joe Madden believe that he just needs to let it go. He just needs to get out there and trust that his elbow is fine and throw the damn ball as hard as he can. And if he does that, he'll be fine. They might be wrong. Um, as a as a major league baseball fan, I want to believe that, and I and and you know I, I want to believe it in full stop. Uh, my question for you though, and this is sort of the thing where we're we're talking about like overreactions. Are you starting him? Yes. Next time out. Yeah. Are you starting him at pitching yes. every single time? Well, I don't want to say every him, single time, but I'm starting him like his next start Sunday, right? He'll be in my lineup Sunday. I don't even know who they're playing. He'll be in my lineup Sunday. <laughs> We're not 100 percent sure he's starting on Sunday. Even uh, I'm not. I don't have it up in front of me or anything. But <sighs> well, he's starting next, sometime, maybe <laughs> sometime soon. Yeah, and 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 you're saying it's like it's just a no brainer. What I mean, what are you looking to see? Like we talked about this a little bit in our starting pitcher episode, and you know I, I think Otani is a great example of it. He can he can turn. I mean, one start not not Otani, but one start from any starting pitcher can turn you from a buyer to a seller this year. And that's um, more outsized than normal. Um, so, so what are you looking for? Like, I mean, I, like you could be in a situation where you're not going to be able to recover from another bad outing. Yeah, game, right? I mean, you want to see obviously the velocity come back. Like that's that's the biggest thing. But um, I'm looking at their schedule now. They don't have their probables updated for the weekend, but they're they're facing the Astros this weekend starting tomorrow. Presumably, he's going to start one of those games. Yeah. Um, if I'm real lucky, they'll give him a little bit of extra rest, and he'll go Tuesday when they start a series with the Mariners. That would be better. Yeah, um, but I, be better. I'll start him. I'll start him this yeah. weekend. I think okay. like he can I I I acquired him this off season to be a guy that I put out there every single time out, um, and I don't like. So let's we're talking about pitchers who've lost velocity. Let's talk about James Paxton for a moment. Right, similar velocity drop, similarly bad performance. Um, maybe not similarly bad. Otani was particularly bad, but uh, he's got an injury history. There seems to be a lot more concern there. They aren't talking about him quite as confidently, and I'm I'm way more cautious on him. And I was already cautious on him because he's had sort of some up and down stuff in the past. Um, I'm not worried about Otani. Okay. Yeah, I mean, fair enough. I, I I think that's a pretty as as a as an Otani owner myself. I'm worried about him, but I'm in the same camp as as Chad that I'm also You're starting him this week. Start him, yeah. I mean, I mean it, I, I, he still is a must start at Utah, right? Like that's that's yeah. to me. I agree with that too. Yeah. So I mean, it's it's basically and especially because where I own him, those teams aren't going to do well unless he's doing well. So it's sink or swim right now. I, I feel like, especially on the pitching side, because again, my rosters are are a little thin at pitching, or, or so I don't have a whole lot of choice but to just keep running him out there. Right. Yeah, no, I think that's right. I mean, I think that's the other piece of it is if he's not good, I'm done anyways. So might as well go down swinging. Yeah, fair um, enough. Fair enough. Do we want to start talking about pitching now? I, I feel like we've got a couple other hitters we could talk about, but I also want to do some justice to the the pitching. We can come back to them, but I think we started to talk about guys with velocity going down, and there's there's a, at least a couple others that I think are worth mentioning. And then we can talk about velocity up as well. But like on, on the so velocity, who are you worried about guy, down? Paxton and and Otani have been mentioned. Obviously, Fulty got DFA'd. 
Yeah, um, it was severe so reduced the, velocity. The, the two biggest drops, other than those two guys we just talked about, the two biggest drops that I've seen. Um, one, I one this isn't changing anything for me. One, it is. Uh, the one who isn't is Madison Bumgarner, who I was already sort of down on, and his his fastball velocity was down from like ninety one point seven to eighty eight point two. I kind of just think he's done. There's a lot of miles on that arm. Um, the guy who's got the next largest drop is a 2.4 mile per hour drop from 95 to 92.6 for Charlie Morton. And for Morton, on top of uh, that large drop, he's one of the few guys who that drop is over two starts, not one. Um, and there wasn't really a recovery last night from where he was before. Uh, and that is super concerning to me. I know um, Eno said something. Eno said earlier this week in a in an article that he was dropping him from a top ten pitcher to sort of a top twenty five ish kind of guy. Um, I, I think that's probably still an accurate place to put him. Um, I might be shopping my Morton where I have Morton. Um, I think that there's still an opportunity to potentially sell him as. You know, oh, it's a couple rough starts. He'll be fine. Um, and if I can get a top thirty starting pitcher and another small piece or something in exchange for him, um, I think that might be a good way to move on because I'm I'm pretty concerned. Uh, he's he's almost thirty seven years old and his velocity is going down. Yep, that's a bad combo for sure. Um, who else do you guys have as uh, pitchers you're a little bit concerned about for velocity? Um, I was only positive on my pitcher notes, so yeah, I think I was only positive <laughs> on pitcher <laughs> notes too. There's a few other guys whose velocity are down. I mean, like Homer Bailey's velocity is down. I'm not super worried about him one way or the other. Um, yeah, but I mean, Patrick Corbin and Mike Miner were both down. Um, those are guys that I'm going to be watching. It's I think it's just one start for each of them, but they were they were both. Uh, Corbin was down about two miles per hour. Minor about 1.7. Um, Aaron Nola was down 1.1. Those are the three guys who I would say I'm still uh, I'm watching. Right, like they could easily make up, make that up, and start to pull it back, and and I'll feel pretty good about them again. But I'm uh, I'm watching them pretty closely, and and Minor in particular, who has been sort of up and down throughout his career and has had some injury issues and stuff like that. I'm just sort of. I don't know. Not not excited about him. Uh, forgive me if you mentioned this name. I don't think you did, but I think Mitch Keller's velocity has been down as well um, from his from his season last year. Yeah, his um, one start. Uh, and, I guess it, I think today is um, uh, maybe tomorrow is a Mitch Keller day. And the re- I mean the results were were very bad as well. Um, and he was a guy that I liked as a you know sleeper slash breakout this year. So seeing reduced velocity, re- you know, bad outcomes. Uh, uh, yeah. He, he had, his was not great. He hadn't thrown enough to make the the list that I was looking at. Um, okay, which is why I think he didn't show up. But you're right; he's down about two and a half miles an hour, uh, and he walked more guys than he struck out, which is a problem um, because it's he's he's not making guys. He at least I shouldn't say he's not in in that one start. Uh, he wasn't making guys miss. His swing strike was five point eight, which is about half of what it was last year. Um, his zone percentage was only 33%. Like if you're not making guys miss and you're not throwing the ball in the zone, uh, you're in trouble. So, um, 
guys are just they're they're being super patient. Nobody's chasing against him, um, and they're teeing off when it's in the zone. And at least again through one start, but yeah, that I mean, is it concerning. It wasn't a bad start, all things considered, uh, statistically, but it was only two strikeouts in five innings. Is like not a very exciting. Uh, I mean, it's it's cause for concern, maybe. Uh, and but the it, walks being higher than the strikeouts is is a huge red flag as well. So. Right. Um, I, I will give uh, Chad a little bit of a, a a good call on this one. Uh, Brad Hand obviously has had a a mess of a start uh, for the Indians out of the pen, and I think you directly called him out for having uh, lower velocity in summer training camp and whatever. Yeah. Um, and that's that's held up. Like he's he's still a mile and a half, two miles off on his fastball and his sinker. So. Um, I I have him in League One. I'm I'm just waiting for the cut. Basically, I'm waiting for the. Yeah, I'm waiting. I mean, obviously, as as a, as a Cleveland fan, I'm more concerned about him in real life, and I'm waiting to hear. Uh, but as a fantasy player, what I'm waiting to hear is who's going to replace him because I think the sure I think Francona needs to. So I'm gonna I'm gonna take off my fantasy hat and put on my my Indians fan hat for a moment. Um. I think Francona needs to take him out of high leverage situations until he either gets the velocity back or shows that he can get guys get guys out at the at the new skill level that he's at. Um, and I don't know, like I'm not anxious in leagues, even leagues, even a five by five or something like that. I'm not anxious to go out and grab Nick Wickren, although I think he's probably next in line in Cleveland. Um, I, I'm, you know. I I would rather speculate on Karinchak, but uh, I don't think he's next in line. He's got the skills. Um, so Francona e to not let him be next in line, right? Yeah, I mean, but I also like it's actually one of the things I think Francona typically does reasonably well, which is he's perfectly happy to let his best reliever float, right? And I think like so. There's part of me that is as a again putting on my Cleveland hat again. There's part of me that thinks like. Okay, Whitgren is totally fine. You stake him to a two-run lead with a clean inning. He can probably hold it. Why would you waste your your stud young relief pitcher in that case? Like, use him there. I'm sort of good with that, right? I mean, I think uh, so. I, I'm just not. I'm not sure as a fantasy player what I do in that case. Like, do I just speculate on Whitgren because I think he's probably next in line and I think he's probably good enough to hold down the job, or do I spe- do I I mean in, in auto new leagues I'm going after the talent anyways yeah. so maybe it's not an issue there um but I, I think the other challenge with with Whitgren versus Karinchak is if Karinchak gets the job he might actually take the job if Whitgren gets the job he's a placeholder he's a placeholder yeah until Hand gets it back and Hand may never get it back and Whitgren may stay, stick but if if Hand starts throwing clean 7th innings Whitgren's getting bumped for Hand to go back into that role um, whereas I think there's a much better chance that Karinchak just runs with it if he's given it. So I, I don't know what to do with that. I'm yeah, I mean, for mostly me, it's staying a, away. <laughs> like from an auto new perspective, like I'm playing four by four. I'm not worried about the role. And um, one of the things when we were talking about season prep uh, that like had a direct result for me is I ended up stocking a lot of relief pitchers that were just sort of interesting guys. Um, so I probably am overcorrected on that front, especially if a couple of the dudes come back. Um, from like early COVID stuff or like preseason COVID or uh, IL stuff that you know guys are now starting to come back from. So I'm hopeful that uh, I can find other reliever. I mean relievers again. You can find relievers move quickly on them. It's 
July 30th, you probably should have already started your first round of reliever uh, auctions, and you should probably start your next round of reliever auctions like in three days. Um, you turn over your bullpen, you know? I think that's the way to do it. Yeah. It's, it's, go on, Justin. I, I was just going to jump in real quick with a pithy comment. Um, speaking of, of closers who are having a hard time right now, um, I have some analysis on Craig <laughs> Kimbrell. Okay. Do you? Are you ready? I'm ready. ready. Everyone listen. He sucks. <laughs> <laughs> He's toast. He's washed. Cut him. Yeah, that's move it. on. That's move it. on. I'm not, I'm not even... That's What about... So who, who are you speculating on for saves there? If you're in a 5x5 five five or a league where, where that role matters. <clears throat> I mean, we, we, we talked about Brad Wick. Um, he came up in our reliever podcast. Uh, Rowan Wick as well. I really don't know. They they just don't have a lot of guys that I feel like would fit in a high leverage role like that. I mean, is Chapris um, next in line? It's possible, especially if um, if they decide that you know we want somebody who has had experience in that role. Like he's the only other guy in the pen I think that has ever been a closer. Um, if if they value, I mean, if Dave Ross says, "Well, I want a guy who's done this before." Um, maybe Jefferson's um, been so bad, <laughs> and that's the thing, right? I mean, it's not a good bullpen. It's not a good bullpen at no, all. It's not. It's actually. a very I'm looking, I'm big concern and as a like, Cubs fan. Rome Wick's only thrown two thirds of an inning and been fine. Nothing happened in those two thirds of an inning. So that's good. <laughs> nothing. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> nothing Brad Wick did not pitch well. Jeffress has not pitched well. Kimbrel has been a disaster. Um, <laughs> it's a mess. I don't know what to do there. It, it, it is a mess. I, I honestly would probably... Now, if I'm in a 5x5, five five, you want to speculate on saves. Yeah, you're probably going to try... You know, that might be a good team to do that because it's a. I think it's a pretty good chance that he might lose the role. Now, the, the thing that works against that is there really isn't anybody in there that's going to push him. It's going to be... If he continues to, to do what he's doing, he's going to push himself out of the role, but nobody's going to take it from him. Um... But I just think that it's going to be rough. It's going to be yeah. really rough. If I'm in a points league, I'm probably just avoiding the situation entirely. One last, uh, one last closer to talk about quickly, or seeming closer. Um, I've seen some some interest in Trevor Gott with the Giants because he's gotten a couple saves. Uh, he's not pitching well. <laughs> the saves are not reflective of anything. His his uh, he's he's walking and striking out both 4.5 per nine, which is bad on both. And in terms of his uh, stat cast numbers, um, obviously still limited numbers, of course. It's only seven batted balls. 98.8 mile per hour exit velocity, average exit velocity, at a 23.7 degree launch angle. Um, this guy is basically getting barreled up every time he throws a pitch. <laughs> uh, and so he's he's escaped with a couple saves. Um, I'm going to let other people <laughs> take their chances with that. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, so 27 auctions pitchers? going for him right now. So yeah, that's the thing. there's a lot of interest in him. Um, but the other thing, just to throw out there, this is sort of a random random note. But I, I first started looking at this, uh, prepping for this episode um, yesterday or the day before, and one of the guys who showed up as a pitcher getting sort of hit hard, high exit velocities, uh, was Andrew Haney with the uh, Angels. And then he went out and had a great game last night, and he's nowhere near the top of that list anymore. <laughs> um, from a relief pitcher span- standpoint, Kevin Ginkle with the the Diamondbacks was up near the top of the hard hit. Now he's not, um, just over a day or two. So like these things are still moving around a lot. Um, 
<laughs> so there, there's a there's a lot yeah, of yeah. I mean there. that's that's obviously true. Um, um, go ahead, Justin. I want to th- we we haven't mentioned it yet, um, but there's a new sort of auto new focused blog that that Chad has has put out there called Points Above. Um, a bunch of guys that have kind of been in a league together in the league, same league we've referenced this new four by four league that Chad and I have referenced on, on earlier episodes. Um, and one of the posts that I had on there the other day was talking about this sort of spreadsheet that I like to look at, especially early season where I take the, the four ERA estimators that are on fan graphs. That would be FIP, XFIP, Sierra and quick ERA. Um, and I just sort of average them and then look at the league average of that. And then and then calculate a simple runs above average, and it's funny you mentioned Heaney like he's actually tenth right now, um, on the on the most recent update to that sheet, um, tenth best in baseball. Um, the top guy on that list right now is Sonny Gray, who it's two starts, so he gets a little bit of a benefit from that, but he's been fantastic. And then you've got a bunch of Indians on there as well, um, Shane Bieber, Zach Plesac, Carlos Carrasco, which is here. Yeah, I, you think? <laughs> just, just a little bit. <laughs> they just need to throw complete games, and we'll be in great shape. There you go. <laughs> right, exactly. Um, that's how the, the Cubs need to do the same thing. Like, yeah, no Hendricks kidding. throwing that nine inning, you know. That's right. Shutout. We need that every time. Um, Carlos Carrasco is ninth on this list, Man, um, much which is great to see him, yeah. you know, coming back and doing so well bad, to, yeah. off the start. So um, the, the point of the article that I wrote was actually about a name that we haven't mentioned yet is um, – Jalen Beeks from the Rays. Um, he's he was third when I posted the article, but he's now fifth, sixth. Pardon me. Um, but in five innings, he struck out twelve and walked nobody. Um, and he's going to be that sort of bulk multi-inning reliever role for the Rays with an occasional start, possibly. Um, we've talked about that. In so Super many of these valuable. episodes, that that's going to have some extra value this year. Um, I know he's been kind of a hot waiver ad um, auction, you know, free agent auction guy going up for auction in, in auto new leagues right now. Um, another guy that's sort of in a similar mode, although he's going to get a start, is Zach Godley for the Red Sox, a guy that it, people liked a couple years ago, and then it sort of fell off a cliff in Arizona and has right. made his way to the Red Sox and put together a pretty decent appearance godly's godly's starting at yankee stadium this weekend right yeah i'm gonna be watching that start um for some underlying stuff right yeah is his velocity looking good is he avoiding too many walks um there's a real good chance he gets lit up uh because that's just a tough team in a tough park and right the reality is if he pitches well He's going to be out of my price range in auctions anyways. I'm going to stop being interested. Um, my my, I would say selfishly, what, I, what I'm hoping to see is a good underlying performance where he just gets hit hard, right? Stanton takes him deep. Uh, Judge takes him deep. Other than that, he pitches pretty just well. Just to, to deflate the value just a little bit for someone who's not paying attention. Is That's that- right. Um, yeah. Just just to make him, so people go, ah, okay, he's still Zach Godley. And then... Cause I thought he looked really good in relief, and he's. Um, it's not like the Red Sox have other choices, right. so he's yeah, not going like anywhere. The, we talked about that before too, man. The certainty of pitching is is should not be undervalued, should not be understated. Like if the guy can hold a rotation spot, 
like that's gold this year, right? And and the Red Sox are a place where you can, I mean, they they don't have any starters, right? They have like half of one starter. Like we we try to get somebody to com- commit to rostering a Red Sox pitcher, and I'm not sure there is one. <laughs> no, someone I, said Nate Aldi, but I don't think I'd spend Chad's money on Nate Aldi, man. I, Godly, I, I'm just like Godley's the one I'm going to rock. I, I have a I have a bid on Godley right now that's pending, and I think I don't own a single other Red Sox pitcher. I've got a, yeah, I've it's got just a hard on one of my team. So yeah, um, I'm not yeah, sure how long so, he'll stick around, but he's there now. But the, I think the point is just like if Zach Godley shows anything, like the like he'll have a job, and that's that's not nothing. Uh, yeah. you stay healthy. You have a job this year. Uh, I, yeah, that, An- that's another name I wanted. I, I I would be remiss if I didn't mention um, because he's a guy that I liked a lot going into the year. He's 16th right now on this spreadsheet that I'm referencing. And he's also a guy who has a velocity bump from last year is Denelson Lamette. Yeah. Um, he has had, let's see, it's 97.8 in that one start that he had average on his fastball. He's throwing and, 99 in, this, in the fifth, yeah, right, in his and, last inning. And oh, that's man, up awesome. from a 96.1 average on that fastball last year. So the results were good. He goes the today, too, right? looked good. Yeah, he goes yes, today. he's starting today. In fact, I only have one start left in one of my head-to-head leagues, and I gave I, you know Chad because I messaged you about it this the other yeah. day. I was like, should I start Morton last night? And you're like, no. <laughs> I'll say this to anyone to anyone out there who thinks that Lamette might be if he's by some chance a free agent in your league, or if you think you might be able to get him via trade, um, you're you're on the clock because he's going to make the Giants look silly in a few hours, <laughs> and after he Man. does that. I, it's over. I, there's two things I'd like to say. One, he's on my team, and I'm super excited to have him out there today. I'm super excited to watch the Padres, which is a sentence I never thought I'd say. And the, here's another sentence I never thought I'd say. We talked about three Padres today with Hosmer and Will Myers and and Lamette now. Like, that is – what is happening there? Why has San Diego been, like, much must-watch baseball for the first week? Oh, we talked about that, I think that we – we aren't talking about Paddock, who we know is good. We aren't talking about. We aren't talking about Machado. We didn't talk about Machado. We didn't talk about Trent Grisham, who's had a really good start to the year. Yeah, right. That's like, right. There's some. It's, the it's Padres are interesting. A, the Padres are a fun team, and uh, got to give a shout out to Dave Cameron. Right, he must be doing something right over there because that team is getting really well. Like, just it's been must watch the first week for me. They're, they've been like the the alternate watching. Yeah, they've just been super fun and. Uh, all these different guys clicking at the same time. It's a tough lineup, and and Paddock, Paddock is also super fun to watch pitch. So we we talked a little bit already uh, about velocity down guys, and we're now starting to bleed into velocity up, starting with Lamette. Um, the top velocity gainers in that same sheet I was looking at before. Um, two of them. There's there's three players on this sheet out of it's about twenty five ish guys who there's enough data on. Um, Two guys, three guys over a one mile per hour gain, um, other than Lamette. Two of them are Jacob Degrom and Luis Castillo. Uh, Degrom was already my number one starting pitcher, so now he's like more my number one starting pitcher. And Luis Castillo, I was high on already, um, so not a lot of change for me there. Uh, the guy in between them, Sandy Alcantara with the Marlins. Um, who knows if he will ever pitch again, given the way the Marlins are going right now but assuming he does uh he's a guy who i'm i'm interested in i'm keeping an eye on um his he he's 
rostered pretty widely, and so he's not a guy I think you're going to get as like a a free agent, but he may be a kind of guy like I was talking before about how I'm really concerned about Charlie Morton's uh, velocity and that maybe I'll look to trade him. Alcantara is the kind of guy that I might be able to get multiple Alcantaras for a Morton. Um, and that may be a good trade to make right now because it's, it, they're, they're headed opposite directions. The, the only thing I would say is that he, the reports are that he is one of the uh, Miami players who's tested positive. So, I mean, there's some uncertainty there, but it, there have been reports yeah, that he's yeah. he is uh, COVID positive. So, Interesting. Um, yeah. Because I own a couple Alcantaras, and I've kind of slotted them into my roster organizer IL spot for the time being because who knows what that situation is going to Yeah, how like, that's going to, so. right. How it's going to resolve itself. Um, any other any other pitchers trending up? I have a one more pitcher that I would be remiss if I didn't mention. Um, Sonny Gray uh, has been awesome. What is up with that? Sonny Gray, uh, who uh, our friend Dustin has told me, is a top ten pitcher uh, in Auto New right now. He uh, like his obviously his like normal stat line is is awesome. He's striking out everybody for some reason like his strikeout rate is way up and you know it's 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 like his fastball is getting more whiffs than before and i think uh one of his off speeds maybe his slider is getting more whiffs uh like i i did not see that coming but then when we think back to some of our starting pitcher stuff when we talk about the reds and uh you know how they've sort of like handed the whole thing over to driveline i wonder if there's something to that like obviously, like Bauer has been, uh, Justin. You have him on the list. Like are you, you. Yeah, because I was going to say this. This spreadsheet that I've got with the results, so you know, with the ERA estimator, um, there's three Cleveland pitchers on here, but there's also three Reds pitchers on here. Gray's number one, Bauer's number five, and Luis Castillo number seven. Right, and um, Luis actually, Castillo. just literally the water in Ohio. <laughs> Maybe, yeah. Maybe, man. Lake Luis Erie, Castillo, Lake, uh, has... you know. <laughs> Luis Castillo has not been hit hard yet, I don't think. I don't think he's been barreled once or something ridiculous like that, or he had some real low barrel rate. And, yeah, Sonny Gray, like, uh, the, the strikeout rate is up, and it's it's grounded in, like, actual pitchers, pitches being more effective. And and that's what the driveline stuff is all about, right? Use your pitchers, pitches that you're more effective with, and we're going to teach you how to make the pitches you're comfortable throwing more effective for you. So, um, that, I mean, that's my very high-level understanding of driveline stuff. I'm not a pitching expert by any means or a person who knows how to pitch a baseball. So, uh, you know, grain of salt or whatever. But Sonny Gray looks like, I mean, he had two awesome starts so far. So, uh, I do want to, you know, give him a shout-out there. That It's an exciting start for him. And, you know, I think that's probably another one of those guys that you could have gotten for value coming into the season. Like, that's an extremely post-post type uh, player. Um, he's not being treated like a, like what his stats right now this moment are showing him to be um, in terms of like SP rankings. Like he's not being priced there. So so yeah, Sonny Gray is is someone who I was uh, you know when he was brought to my attention I was like whoa, and and yeah I, I just think like we talked a little bit about how the whole shop has been handed over to Driveline um, in Cincinnati and. And yeah, I don't know what's going on in Cleveland, but we'll take it as long as we can get it. But if Cincinnati is also, Cincinnati has also been a pretty interesting starting rotation start of the season. 
So as we're, we're wrap, we got to wrap up pretty soon here, but I want to go through sort of a, a lightning round of three names on my list that I haven't mentioned yet that I think are worth talking about. Um, one is is Joey Votto, who's who seemingly has had a, a better start of the year um, after sort of struggling a little bit, but his exit velocity is way down. He has yet to barrel a ball out of 22 batted balls. We were talking before about how um, – Corey Seager's 23 batted balls was among the most in the league. So 22, like he's got a lot of batted balls and has yet to barrel one of them. Um, so he's I'm, got two home runs without barreling either one of them? That's right. And his exit velocity is fourth percentile and his hard hit is 15th percentile. His X wow. stats actually look good, right? Because he's not striking out at all. And so like his X SLG, his X batting average, his X WOBA all look good, but he wow. is not hitting the ball hard at all right now. And so I am... Uh, I, I'm I wasn't sort of in on Vado anyways, but I'm I'm staying away. Um and I'm letting other people, you know, get excited about the sort of surface like, oh, maybe his power's back. I don't think it is. I think he's and I just and, think and he's that's done. And that's a good argument to make, especially with these really quick uh reactions to these results, is that's an argument to look at Stackhouse and not just look at the surface results because the surface results look great, right? Like he looks yeah. like it's a renaissance, it's the Joey Votto of old, but um, a zero barrel rate and an under 80 exit, average exit velocity is Bad. so particularly concerning. Another guy who's getting a lot of hype for his good start, but the stack cast numbers are a little bit mixed on is Kyle Lewis. Um, he's barreled a couple balls. His, his barrel rate isn't bad. Um, his exit velocity is only 84.8. His launch angle is 0.9. Now, again, his X stats are really good, um, although I'm not entirely sure what's driving that. He actually has a, uh, he has a relatively high hard hit percentage. Um, I, I'm not entirely sure what to make of him, um, but it doesn't look as good as I thought it would when I, when I started looking in. Yeah, you would expect, especially with the trajectory, the career trajectory, you'd expect there to be like, good performance coming from good underlying and not yeah like with Vado, you can imagine why there is a mirage right i mean with a with a batter with that kind of history but kyle lewis was, was what, what's, right? what's interesting to me is is his average exit velocity is under 85 but he does have a max exit velocity of 110.9 which is 13th right now in baseball yeah. when he so, crushes the ball he crushes it he just doesn't do right. it very often and so just, i'm not yeah. how many sure. how many weak hits do you have to have to average out 110 mile an hour uh, presume a lot. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like in in a short season already, like in a small sample already, that's not very promising. Yeah, and so and then the last quick guy I want to mention, um, if you go to that that pointsabove.com blog that that Justin mentioned, I have a deeper write up on him. But Colin Moran, um, his exit velocity up, hard hit is up, uh, his his launch angle actually isn't up, um, but he's barreling the ball more than he ever has before. Um, I'm I'm super interested in Colin Moran. I started auctions on him on every one of my leagues. I said I would love to get him for five dollars or less. He went for six dollars in all of them. Literally all of them. Well, you made a mistake. You hyped him. You hyped him before starting the auctions instead of after. But yeah, I'm gonna have him nowhere. (laughs) Yeah, that's really wrong order to do that in. (laughs) Um, uh, But I think yeah, we whipped on him in six forty nine too. I think the people who yeah, Justin, you got away with that in, in Brinks because you bid six. We intended to bid five. And we didn't get our bid in, so you saved a dollar. Yeah, we caught, we saved you a buck. Oh, I'm we'll going to use that to rebate. Our, <laughs> yeah, rebate. Yeah, we're calling them rebates now. <laughs> Andy so. found money as a rebate now. Um, 
So those are the guys yeah. I wanted to talk through. Colin Moran is super interesting because I think you know that, that that's a that's a pretty exciting start to a season that that is extremely backed, right? So that's like a very yeah that that is worth tracking for another couple weeks. Like we some of the other guys we've talked about have been like mixed backing, but that's one of the ones you're like, wow, that's solidly backed by the underlying data. So that's exciting. Yep. All right, that was a lot of names. Yeah. And uh, so I'm sure we're, we'll, we'll have uh, many more names to talk about the next time we do this. We'll, we'll have to talk about, um, you know, maybe adding some segments, uh, some monthly features or, or something of like, like that. So, um, but for, for now, we're, we'll end it here. I know Chad's got to run. We don't want to keep him. And, uh, <laughs> Appreciate it. and I'm going away for the long weekend. So I, I'm, I've got a half day tomorrow. I'm going to camping. So oh, awesome. I've got to enjoy that. So, all right. Thanks for listening, everybody. Yeah, thank you.